Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vic Muscat's Evolution Podcast, and this is your main event of the evening with the 60-minute time limit. The man in charge is your, of the show is your host, Vic Muscat. Today we have a treat. We have a former CAP Tag Team Champion and a former NYWC Fusion Champion, the one and only Francis Kip Stevens. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Hopefully you're not the evil Kip today. That you're relaxed. <laughs> it's a day off, so you're just relaxed. You know, I come in well, peace. Well, we'll see how the interview goes. But uh, if things have to get evil, things will get evil. She's now I'm scared. <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. So, how did you get into professional wrestling? All right. So I, it was something I always loved as a kid. Uh, but I was never the biggest in high school or junior high. I was always the smallest, the skinniest, got picked on a lot. So uh, growing up, I never thought it was possible. Uh, but then I went to a Ring of Honor show and that was my first taste of indie wrestling. And I was like, oh my God, like a lot of these guys aren't that big. And there was a wrestler named Colt Cabana on the show. And I loved his presentation. I loved how he went out and was kind of like winking at the fourth wall of wrestling in a lot of ways. And that kind of opened up my eyes to like, wow, you don't have to be the size of Triple H or the size of The Undertaker to be a wrestler. Uh, then I discovered a local indie, NYWC. They were at a trade show. I happened to be there. They had a booth set up. And I started talking with their champion, Dickie Rods. And he was like, wow, you know, you seem like you really like wrestling. You should come to one of our shows. And I don't know what prompted me to ask this or have the courage to ask it. I was like, uh, it'd be really cool if you had a school. Uh, maybe I could train to be a wrestler. And instead of him laughing at me, he just said, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, if you have heart, you should definitely try it. And that was a spark right there. I went down to the NYWC training school, and uh, that's where I got my start. And at the time when I signed up, uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, who were also graduates of that school, just debuted on ECW. And at the time, uh, Trent Beretta was there. Tony Nese, uh, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Papadon, like a lot of really great wrestlers. So it really was a great school to be at uh, start. And plus, that's where I met Brian Myers. And that's how I eventually went to Creative Pro Wrestling, where I'm currently training at all the time now. So who, did you watch professional wrestling while you were a kid? Like, who were some of the wrestlers that you admire when you were growing up? Oh, yeah. I, I loved wrestling from a very early age. I was probably seven. Jeez, uh, I was pretty much any good guy that Vince McMahon said to root for, I rooted for. Uh, so my first favorite wrestler was the Ultimate Warrior. He was like a comic book character comes to life with the colors, the face paint. I thought it was awesome. I was also a Hulkamaniac. And then when that got transitioned out, I was a big Bret Hart guy, still am. Then I liked Shawn Michaels. Uh, and then, like, and I also watched whatever wrestling was on, I watched. So even WCW, I knew it was different, but I still liked it. I still liked Sting. You know, I thought he was cool. And it wasn't until, like, I started getting older was when I started liking more bad guy wrestlers. Like, I thought Chris Jericho was awesome, and I didn't care if he was a good guy or bad guy. I rooted for him. Same thing with Chris Benoit. Like, there was a certain authenticity to his matches. So... Those were guys that really made me love the art form of wrestling. And then around, I, I just continued always watching. And even today, like there's 
people I enjoy watching, like AJ Styles and Finn Balor. Like if they're on TV, I'm watching them. But just now it's a little bit more different. Like actually being a wrestler, you look at it in a totally different light. So describe to my audience who's listening, like what's your like your character in the ring? Because I know I noticed that you were trained by Mikey Ripwreck. Now I grew up like Mike Mikey Ripwreck, and I either was a small guy, but man, he took some ass kickings that is unbelievable. And it's like a legend in ECW, the original ECW. So if I, yeah. so if I right away, and I talked so good things about Mikey Ripper, it may be hardcore extreme even to this day. So if I say like, yeah, here's this guy I trained by Mickey, Mikey Ripper, they're going to think that you have like scars on your head, like Ric Flair It's like, so please describe your character. All right. Well, um, one thing I do want to clarify, uh, when I got to NYWC, Mikey was no longer the head trainer. He recently moved to Pennsylvania. So the head training duties went to Crusher Dugan. So uh, I, I know I think some places list me as trained by Mikey Whipwreck. And trust me, that, that would be a huge honor and compliment. Uh, but I don't, don't want to discredit uh, Crusher Dugan. Because uh, he was the guy that, you know, when I first started and couldn't do anything in the ring, he was the one who had the patience with me and stuck with me and helped me learn a lot of the basics, along with everybody in advanced class who took time to help me out. Um, I can't say enough great things about Alex Reynolds, who really helped educate me. Same thing with Nice, Trent, Johnny, like I, I, I owe and so many other people I'm leaving out who helped me along the way, you know, to, to Brian and Pat Buck. Um, so Mikey, uh, so he was very intimidating to go to. Um, and it was weird because like, at first, I don't know if he liked me or not. <laughs> and, and we laugh about it now. It was just one of those things where like, I think he heard that I was like messing up a lot in class and probably thought I wasn't taking it seriously and I'd be afraid to approach him. So he probably thought I didn't know who he was, but it was actually quite the opposite. Like I cared about wrestling so much. And I knew a lot about Mikey and I had such respect for him. Like I'd be afraid to approach him. And I was like, oh, this guy doesn't want to talk about old ECW stories. And then later on, when I got to know him better, I had no problem asking him those things. And I wish I would have done it much sooner. Uh, Mikey, uh, he is re really is a wrestling genius in a lot of ways. Uh, he was really great with fundamentals. And that was something that even though he wasn't training me directly, all the people who were trained by Mikey and all of Mikey's disciples made sure that they ingrained in me. And that's something that whenever I help out people, I ingrain in them. So there's like the lineage right there. Uh, to go with how this features into my character, there are some similarities. When I first started, I was very much uh, a gimmick character, Francis Kip Stevens, the one tough nerd. But actually at first it was just a hip hop nerd. Uh, and the reason why is because I was extremely limited in the ring. So the promoter of NYWC, Shane O'Neill, felt it was a good idea to make me a character because you can hide a lot of uh, limitations when you're doing a character. Now, they just said to me I was going to be a nerd character. They didn't tell me anything like what, what it was going to be. They just said, you know, we're going to have you as a nerd character. So I picked out what a nerd would wear in the ring with a big bow tie, suspenders, uh, a ridiculous shirt that those like had stripes on it looked ugly and as a joke on the way to the ring they like I forgot what my original music was going to be but instead they played Notorious B.I.G. Hypnotize and for some reason I started dancing to the ring and everybody started laughing 
And then I realized, well, it looks like I'm going to be uh, more of a comedic wrestler. And it really helped me out at first. And it was great because my whole life I was a natural underdog as a whole getting picked on a lot. So there was a lot of things from my natural life that I was able to put into that character very much like, you know, except, you know, where in real life, you know, I get nervous and overwhelmed, at least with this character, I could still get nervous and overwhelmed, but in the wrestling ring, I could rise to the occasion and not be flummoxed. I will, you know, be a hero of the people and I'll stand up to bullies. And it was a really cool, inspiring character. And again, with the Mikey similarities, when he first started, like you mentioned, he was the guy getting beat up all the time. And it was a big deal when he hit his first move of offense. So I think there was a lot of like sprinkling, Mikey sprinkling in ideas to Shane to help me out along the way as well. Long answers to a short question. Well, that's, but you haven't taken like any like major, like a staple gun to the forehead or anything like that. Like he has, has it, have you? I've been in a few hardcore matches, uh, believe it or not. Uh, two of the most memorable ones uh, from my NYWC career. One was a Compton Street fight with Papa Don. Uh, we had a feud when I first came into NYWC. It was a joke. And for some reason, I was getting surprising victories on him, whether it be like a surprise roll up or he'd get DQ'd and I still won. And then he laid me out with pile drivers and I was on a stretcher, laid me out. And then my epic return, we had a Compton Street fight and I was a bloody mess. It was a brawl around the building. It was the first time they ever put me in a main event. Um, and I, I think at the time they weren't sure if I should be in the main event. So when I found that, I was like, oh, screw this. And then I went all out and everyone was like shocked. Like, oh my God, we can't believe like you went crazy like that. Uh, and then there was another uh, street fight I had with Dickie Rods. Uh, at the time I had a storyline girlfriend named Violet Stevens or she became Violet Stevens, excuse me. And Dickie was becoming jealous, saying I was taking my eye off the prize. And then he blamed her, Violet. And then I stood up, I was like, no, you're not, you're not messing with my girl. And everyone was like shocked, sick. Oh man, like Kip is getting serious. And then Dickie and I had a really great three match feud where all the matches were different, but we had a, this epic street fight and Again, bleeding buckets all over the building, and there was this big utility closet, and I jumped off of that, threw a table onto Dickie for the win, and that was a really cool moment. And a lot of uh, fans will still bring that up to me, saying like, oh my god, you, you were bleeding buckets that day. And that was like, the, the people, a friend of mine joked around, was like, kids were crying leaving the building, you were bleeding so much. Wow. But, you know... I don't like to do a lot of those crazy matches too often. I, I, you know, I like to keep them kind of special. You must have a lot of trust with the medical team in the back. Oh, do you mean the podiatrist? <laughs> like any, any, anyone. You know what? It, it's one of those things where when you don't do it all the time, like you, you kind of want to go all out. You know, it's going to be, it's for a special match, special moment. You kind of believe the hype a little bit. And I wanted to make sure, you know, okay, like I want, I want people to really remember this match. So again, you, you do the, you know, is the sacrifice to wrestling and that's what it was. And yeah, you know, bled and just made sure I, you know, put, you know, vitamin C on it all or vitamin E on it all the time and kept it bandaged. And I have, a, I have a line on my forehead, a little scar mark, but nothing too deep, nothing too dangerous. Like, 
again, it probably probably won't be doing too many of those, but it, you, when you have the opportunity to, sometimes you rise to the occasion. You just have to. Is there a, a move or a stipulation in a match you won't do because of safety? Um, that's a good question. Uh, so it's kind of crazy. Like there's certain moves that like I, I take poorly. Like, and one of them is a backdrop, which doesn't look that devastating anymore to people for some reason, but that's a really scary move. You can legitimately break your neck on that if you don't rotate enough. And I'd have people given to me so poorly in the past that now I'm like weary about doing them. So I try and keep that to a minimum. So our stipulations, uh, I haven't said no to anything yet. I'm not too keen on doing like a light tube death match or panes of glass, but you never know. It could be the right feud for the right amount of money with the right opponents. And I could be like, let's do it all. Let's do everything. <laughs> so I, I never like the old saying, cliched saying in wrestling, never say never. And that's kind of how I feel about it. So what type of training do you do in between your events? Like do you hit the gym or do you have time in the ring bouncing off the ropes or what do you do? Get ready. Yeah. Uh, so I go to the gym uh, a minimum four days a week. If I could squeeze in more, I do. And on top of it, there I go to a couple personal training sessions at this um, personal gym called Stoke Athletics. And they work with athletes. And a lot of uh, the creative pro wrestlers go there, like VSK, uh, Bryce Donovan, Max Caster, uh, a few other wrestlers I'm spacing out right now. And they give me like a personalized, you know, routine of like, what I want to do. Like if I want to get stronger, they help me out with that. If I want to get more athletic, they help me out with that. So I'm always putting in work at the gym. Uh, as far as ring work, I get to the school two days a week and I try and do something every time I'm there. Like sometimes, you know, if I get there a little late, you know, might not be doing much, which is unfortunate, but I always want to make sure like I'm getting the ring, taking a few bumps, hitting the ropes, just keeping myself active. Uh, when I first started, anytime I can get in the ring, that's what I was doing. I, I wanted to be in there all the time. Uh, when you've been doing this, you know, as long as I have over 10 years, uh, they say there's this thing called a bump card. Like you only have a certain amount of bumps in your body. And when you're first starting in wrestling, you're like, oh, whatever. Uh, the later you get in wrestling, you feel it. So, you know, I try not to waste too many bumps in training. But the next breath, I also know that you should still make sure you get those bumps in, get those reps in because you want to stay as sharp as possible. And it's not only a credit to myself, but I, I owe it to the person I'm in the ring with. I want to make sure that I'm a hundred percent on point for them. How much of politics do you think goes into wrestling these days? Like kind of keep like, because there's some like promotions, like I talked to a gentleman recently that's in the midget promotion. And he said that it's because of politics you know, pushes them down. Um, you know, it's the same thing with like women's wrestling or transgender wrestling. How, what do you think, how much politics make decisions in wrestling? Um, you know, yes and no. It varies from person to person. Um, and, and again, like, I, I can't speak to whoever you spoke with previously, like what happened with them in their career. I, I mean, I'm sure it plays a factor, but on the other hand, like, you know, I, I'm not really a social person, so that might be held against me, but I also, like, that's on me to A, correct, and also B, like, I also feel like 
if you're a good person, you're nice, you know, you do solid work in the ring, you know, you show up to the arena with a smile on your face, looking to help out, you know, the, you, you're never going to get ignored or left behind. Cream always rises to the top. Um, I know people like, I know some people might, you know, have a promoter's ear more than I will. And that's fine. Like I, I I'm not going to fault that on anybody. Like that's, you know, maybe that's something I should be better at. But with that being said, I'm also, you know, I also know that if I go to a show, like I try and be as drama free as possible, whatever the promoter needs, I provide, you know, I always try and promote the show. And, and I always feel like, you know, just being a good person can get you far in wrestling just as well, even if you're not a quote unquote political person. And also being a social person is overrated these days. Well, it is and it isn't, you know, I I remember one time, this is a a personal story. Like I was in the locker room and I was kind of just, you know, sitting there just minding my own business, like, you know, kind of deep in my thoughts, thinking about what I'm going to do for the day. And somebody said to me, it was like, Oh, you're, you're, somebody said you're being standoffish. I'm like, how am I being standoffish? I'm just sitting in the locker room, you know, kind of just minding my own business. Like, it's weird how some people can perceive you and unintentionally. So there is a social aspect to wrestling that you should, you know, contribute to. You don't want to be that guy who's just in the corner of the locker room with a bad look on your face. And again, like, it wasn't my intent. And, you know, I made sure when I heard that, it's like, you know, talk to some people here and there. And, you know, it's a weird thing sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who looks up to other people in wrestling. So if I'm in a locker room, like at an indie show, like I look at other people I'm on the show with, I'm like, man, this guy's a killer. Like in a good way, like this guy throws on great matches. Like, oh, he doesn't want to be bothered talking to me. And meanwhile, that's, no, of course he would love to talk to to anybody. Like we're all, we're all wrestlers. We're all in the same family. So it's something that I have to get over personally and be better at. Have you ever worked as a face and a heel before in your career? And if you have, what did you like playing the most? Yeah. uh, And that's what I love about wrestling. It's, you know, I have the two very distinct characters. I have one tough nerd Kip and evil Kip. And I always want to make sure I did both characters differently. I was a baby face, good guy character for so long as nerd Kip. And everyone's like, Oh, I want to see, you know, the, the, the bad nerd. And I was always in my head, like, if I become a bad guy, I want to do something totally opposite and totally different. I didn't want to just be the nerds now a bad guy. I want to be, no, I want to be just a totally different person. And that was something I prided myself on. And even the way, like, I structure the matches, the way, the moves I do, how I move around in the ring, like, I wanted it to be night and day different. Um, As far as which one do I like better, I like them both like for different reasons. My good guy character is so kid friendly and it's something that like, I always think about my seven year old self, how much I loved wrestling and how like, Oh my goodness. Like it was the the greatest thing ever. And still is to me. So whenever I see kids in the audience getting happy to see my nerd character, I want to make sure that I leave them with a memory and a good memory. And something that like, oh, I remember the nerd wrestler and how he stood up to that bad guy. I want to have, like, I, I, I love those experiences. I think it's so important. And that being said, as the bad guy character, I can just be as R-rated as possible. And I can get people very angry at me. And there's a certain charm to that. 
and even the matches like I feel like I have I feel like I can have a lot more fun because when I work with somebody who's a new guy who's a good guy and I'm the established bad guy I'll do everything in my power to make that person look as good as possible and there's there's and that's something I find very fulfilling as well so each have their charms what's the worst town or city you've ever worked at before that's a good question a lot of times uh the answer will be like wherever like the hardest ones to get to because of traffic you know i i remember and i love wrestling in massachusetts but on a friday afternoon when you have to sit in i-95 traffic and you're bumper to bumper it just drains you. And then you get to the show right as it's about to start. You have to throw on your gear as quickly as possible. And it's it's brutal sometimes. Yep. If there was no traffic, like I wouldn't care, you know. Uh, you know, I remember wrestling in Georgia and we drove all throughout the night and I did a lot of the driving. I had like two hours of sleep, had to wrestle a match, and then we had to drive all the way back home. And that was a long, brutal day. But you know, it's not like I hate, I don't really hate any town. Sometimes it's just the traffic to get to a town is the worst experience. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like around Hudson or Boston area, the GPS goes crazy because the roads are so close together. And of course it's near Boston is this traffic. Yeah, it's, I, I know yeah. I'm from Southern Vermont, so I, I know what you mean. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. So, so you understand it a bit. Uh, if you ever had to do I-95 drives, how brutal they can be sometimes. On oh, especially 95. Yes. Yeah. It's. Gee. Uh, so what advice would you give yourself, the old self, if you could tell the yourself self that you day one, any advice, what would you tell yourself? That's a great question. And I would not give myself any advice. Uh, I would have the young guy give me advice because when you wrestle for a long time, sometimes, you know, you think about like the negativities of wrestling, like a bad payday or bad matches, or like we were just talking about the traffic or, you know, just people you've had bad experiences with. And that's sometimes like a natural human thing, but I would like, the younger self to always remind me like, oh my God, you get to wrestle? Like you made it? Like you got to go to, you got to go to Massachusetts to wrestle? A promotion wanted you to wrestle there? Like, I, I always like to think like my younger self would remind me like how, how important passion is, how important it is to like embrace every car ride, embrace every experience because you can only wrestle for a certain amount of time in your life. Uh, you know, I, life is this long and wrestling is, you know, this long. And it would be great to be reinvigorated and to be reminded like why you love it so much. What do you think sport could do to generate more fans? Hmm. What, you mean on an indie level or any level? Because like you know everyone everyone around here in Southern Vermont, when you talk about wrestling, right away they think about Roman Reigns, WWE, and they think, you know, wrestling's stupid. I'm like, no, it's, it's a different world outside of that. Like, how do you, do you think they can generate more fans there? I think it's awareness. I think social media is a great tool for that. Oh, I'm terrible at it, but I've seen people utilize it uh, greatly. Um, I think of a character like Dan, Dan Housen. He has shirts in Hot Topic. Now, there's going to be people who walk in there who don't know a thing about wrestling, let alone indie wrestling. 
but we'll see a shirt and be like, oh, that's cool. And it's just because he worked hard and was able to get a shirt at Hot Topic. And right there, he's opening himself up to a whole new audience. And somebody might find out who the Dan Housen is, see a video he did and be like, oh, that's awesome. It really comes down to awareness, uh, not just from the wrestlers, but also from promoters. I always feel like promoters can do a lot more to get their product out there, get their content out there. there I, it really is like, you could have the best, you could be the best hair cutter in the world, but if you're not promoting yourself or you're not advertising it, like th that doesn't matter. Like, you know, lemon, it can go to lemon tree, at least they advertise and they're all over the place. So I, I think it just comes down to awareness and, and there's something for everybody. You can figure that, and you can figure that out. Um, what's great. I had this discussion yesterday and this is time sensitive right now, but tonight AEW Grand Slam happens at Arthur Ashe Stadium. And leading up to this, a lot of the AEW stars were making appearances. Like Anthony Bones was on MLB Network. Uh, and that's awesome right there because there's going to be so many people who watch MLB Network who have no idea, A, that WWE has competition. They have no idea who Anthony Bones is, but they'll hear him talk about A's love of baseball and B, how he used to be a baseball player and C, now he's a professional wrestler. And right there his awareness just grew and AEW's awareness just grew. And that's awesome. And that's something that all the companies, you know, everywhere need to do on the indie level. It's, you know, a promoter needs to sit down with certain people after shows. Hey, you know, we just need a 30 second promo and then they can start mailing it out on social media a little bit here and there. And it'll go a long way. I feel. It's good to see about that because you always see WWE like wrestlers, you know, make appearances at shows or games or whatever. Nothing about AEW. That's good. That's a good story to hear. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's great. And even just something like Daniel Bryan's article on the Players' Tribune. Like, I can't think of any other time a wrestler had an article on the Players' Tribune, A. And B, I don't know when it was promoted as much as this one was. Just something like that brings awareness to Brian Danielson, and AEW and that's so important and again like little things like Drew McIntyre did a video uh, for I think it, I'm going to mispronounce the name there's a new arena opening up on Long Island I think it's the UAB arena UEB arena and that's where the Islanders going to play and he did a video in an Islanders jersey taking a tour of there and saying oh it's going to be so loud in here we can't wait for when WWE appears on this date and John Silver did the same thing for when AEW is going there. Stuff like that, it, it really does make a difference. You never know who's watching and all those little all those little things help out in the long run. I sense you're an AEW guy more than a WWE person. Uh no, I'm I'm a wrestling person. It doesn't matter what I, I, I love wrestling. You know, I love impact wrestling. I love Ring of Honor wrestling. You know gcw like I, i'll watch them if they're on like you know i i never like to be boxed in um i i feel like that's as a wrestler i think it's irresponsible because you ultimately want to get paid by somebody uh you know I, I mention AEW a lot because i have a lot of friends there uh that's but i also have friends in wwe too and you know i, I think as long as we're all just you know trying to make the wrestling business a better place and doing it in our own ways. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. 
also it depends on who has the more z- most zeros in their contract for you. <laughs> Listen, well, better to have the most zeros instead of just zeros. <laughs> so out of your whole career, what's the worst promotion you've worked for? Oh, I, I, I've, I don't have any ill will toward any promotion I've ever wrestled for. Um, any place that has me like, listen, here's something too. Like, no, nothing is guaranteed in wrestling. Just because you're a great wrestler doesn't mean a place is going to use you. So anytime a place has had me on their show, I've considered it uh, an honor and a privilege to be there. They don't. They had no reason to book me. It wasn't like it was an obligation. It was the fact that they wanted to. Like, it, it's a, it's a privilege. So. You know, again, it doesn't matter how great the experience was, even if it wasn't the best experience. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It was still something that was part of my wrestling journey, and I'm grateful for it. That's such a humbled answer. It's an honest answer. Okay, it's um, still, so, like, it's, so usually someone would just throw something out there. But no, uh, I, I give you, no, that's, you're just enjoying the sport. You're enjoying the ride. KIP, keep it positive. There's so many people in wrestling who are negative. I go to shows and I will see somebody come in with their bag with a frown on their face and look absolutely miserable to be there. And a part of me like looks at people like that and I want to go, you know, you don't have to be here. If you're really that miserable, you can do something else. Nobody for Rip Rogers always says, nobody forced you to be a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody put the gun to your side and this is what you have to do. Like, I consider it an honor to be a wrestler. I consider it a privilege. I worked really hard to do it. And again, it's any place that wants to have me, like it really is extremely flattering. It doesn't matter if you're a place that was only able to get two people into the door or you're were WWE who used me on a couple shows. And that was a, an honor too. So it's all the same to me. I'm not trying to make, take a jab at anybody, but you mentioned about you watch all sorts of wrestling. Do you think that people who were like taking sides in the Wednesday night, the Wednesday night wars with NXT and AEW, did a little bit of you feel like that they weren't like true wrestling fans because they were like taking a side in a war that it's like it's for the sports, not for the brand? Again, I don't like speaking for people. Like I, I personally even this was me as a fan, like, I would be like, oh my God, there's two shows on Wednesday night? Like, that's awesome. Like, that'd be so cool. I could pick, I can one watch, watch one live and tape one. Like, we have DVRs now. I don't, I don't understand. Like, if you're truly love wrestling, you should hope for a third billionaire to decide, I want to be in the wrestling business. And then a fourth and then a fifth, because you'll have so much you, the wrestling business will thrive that way. And so many of your favorite wrestlers will be able to make a living and it'll be great. You'll still be able to get to see them and interact with them in, in so many great ways. Um, I, I, I personally feel like if you're a fan of wrestling, just enjoy it. Like if there's like one show better than the others, there's nothing wrong with that, but that doesn't mean you need to slander the other one. Uh, you know, NXT has great stuff. AEW has great stuff. SmackDown has great stuff. Raw has great stuff. Impact has great stuff. ROH has great stuff. GCW does. PWG does. Creator Pro Wrestling does. Like everybody adds to the wrestling pot. I always feel like, you know, the more the more money in the pot, the better for everybody. And, you know, you, 
Like you don't need to. It's not a real war. We can we can all like all the wrestling. What if you're a podcaster that might slander a few promotions, but when they do something positive, they do give them credit for it. I mean, again, that's all up to the podcast. Like, if I was hosting a podcast, it'd be boring because I'd be talking about all the great things about wrestling. I wouldn't want to like have controversy. Um, again, if you're coming with an honest opinion, that's fine. Like, uh, Chris Van Vliet has a great wrestling podcast or a great podcast, period. And he always says the best thing about podcasts is that anybody can do them. And sometimes the worst thing is that everybody can do one. Um, everyone's allowed to have an opinion, of course. Um, and it's up to the person listening to consider the source. And as long as the person, I always feel like if somebody gives a reason why they don't like something, that's great. It's better than just hearing like, oh, I don't like them. Why? Because like, if you have a reason and it's a well thought out thought, that's cool. And I can respect that too. I figured a long time ago, you can't make everyone happy. Yeah. And nor you shouldn't try either because you, you try doing that, then you're not being true to yourself. So what do you think is the future of professional wrestling? What do you think it's heading to? It's a great question. Um, I wish I was a visionary like Vince McMahon because I'd be a billionaire. Uh, I, I think AEW, though, is doing great stuff. And, and again, I can keep on mentioning that just because it's new, it's fresh, they're doing exciting stuff. And they're showing that there is room in the marketplace for more wrestling. Like There is a loyal audience which is awesome. So I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see where TV uh, starts migrating in the next like five to 10 years. Is it going to be more and more and more streaming prevalence? If that's the case, you know, one thing all the streaming companies want is live entertainment. That's why Amazon paid so much money just to get those Thursday games that they can air exclusive, exclusively on Amazon Prime. I personally, if I was going to take a guess, and this is, you know, totally uneducated speculation, I could see a big streamer like a Netflix or an Amazon Prime saying, we want to have a wrestling company exclusive to our streaming service with and people will go to see that because we know that we'll get a certain amount of baseline wrestling fans will want to watch it and we'll have, there'll be a certain baseline amount of subscribers. So I, I can... I personally see like streaming, you know, being more prevalent in five to 10 years as well. And a wrestling promotion, more wrestling promotions popping up on streamers. And what about yourself? What does the future hold for you? Oh, well, after five years from now, I'll probably have two WrestleMania appearances and three world title reigns or not. I don't know. Only three? <laughs> Only three? Come on. That's the politics of wrestling holding me down. Yeah, you're right. Good point. <laughs> so, where can our listeners contact you on the vast world of social media? Right on the Twitter and the Instagram, it's at I am Evil Kip. I just changed that recently because I'm doing a lot more Evil Kip appearances. But funny now that after I've changed it, more people want Nerd Kip. So, if you're a promoter, feel free to DM me on either of those platforms if you want. Evil Kip, you will get Evil Kip. If you want Nerd Kip, you will get Nerd Kip. I will do either. I will do both in the same show. On the Facebook, I'm at Francis Kip Stevens. Feel free to hit me up on that. Message me. I respond to messages and emails. 
uh, like you, sir, you hit me up on the Facebook and I think we've had a great uh, correspondence ever since. <laughs> so please, please hit me up. If you like merchandise for me, please DM me. I have shirts, I have stickers, I have buttons, I have whatever you want. Feel free to hit me up, I will provide you. Uh, and if you want just funny uh, back and forth banter, I will provide that as well. That's free of charge. I can see you. Do, I can see you doing AEW Dark very soon. You just have that personality and uh, the that, yes. really the X factor. <laughs> well, when Tony Khan listens to this podcast, uh, I'll let you know, Tony. I am available. But in case you didn't listen to this episode, Tony Khan, you can all tweet at Tony Khan, and I'm sure he'll appreciate. We need I am Evil Kip on his shows. Can we lie and say you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan? I'm not a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. I'm a New York Patriot fan. I will listen. I know what you're hinting at. I will stay true to my New England Patriot roots. I will have a polite disagreement with Mr. Tony Khan. If he wants to invite me to a Jaguars game, I will attend. And I will, if the Patriots are not there, I will give polite applause to the Jaguars. But I'm a New England Patriots fan through and through. Right when after you say you're a Patriot fan, I was like, you're not budging. Right there. It's like, I know two main Patriot fans. Well, yeah, I'm very loyal to uh, to my Pats. Do you think they'll do well this year? I hope so. Uh, right now they're one and one. They should be two and zero. I thought they should have beat the Dolphins. Um, I, I've made the jokes this year. They're they either go eight and nine or they'll go eleven and six. Like you know, it's going to be one or the other. Um, who who's to say? But I'm encouraged. Like I. I I think they're not making mistakes. They're playing sound fundamental football. They're not going to be the top of the AFC, but I think they'll be in the mix come playoff time. Oh, Buffalo's not as good as they were last year. I smelt that because Josh Allen last year in empty stadiums was perfectly calm. Now let's see him in a loud stadium getting a little rattled. Yep. But again, it's early. They have a great uh, system set up. You know, who, who knows? But, but I believe in the Pats. But I'm a homer. Nothing wrong with that. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And when I am right and you are on AEW, in one way or another, I'm going to message you and I want you to come back on. I will be more than happy to do that. And that's when I'll have all the jerks. <laughs> Great. Well, take care of yourself. Thank you very much. Kip, kip, hooray, and have a good day. You too. Take care. Bye.